2: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. If you remember earlier in the week, we had a conversation about Roald Dahl. He, in his life, had made some unfortunate and anti-Semitic comments. On that day, I invited Rabbi Avrami Zippel to the program just to discuss uh, if it were possible to uh, separate the literary work and accomplishments of the author from those Comments that he so unfortunately made in the 80s and early 90s, and I apologized uh, to the rabbi for uh, for for discussing such a uh, you know a dark topic in our first conversation here on the air, and I made him promise me that uh, we could in the future uh, connect again on a more bright topic, and I think that today, uh, the first day of Hanukkah here this evening, that it is exactly that right opportunity. When I called the rabbi this morning, invited him onto the program to give us uh, a bit of a Hanukkah 101 one lesson, uh, he was more than eager to join. So Rabbi Zippel, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. Rhi. I was going to say you're quite prophetic. I mean, 48 hours ago you said we should talk for happier occasions, and here we are two <laughs> days later. That's that's impressive. Not, not so bad,
2: huh? Uh, not so bad. Let's, uh, let's look at some nuts and bolts. Uh, I am uh, raised in a Christ, Christian home, uh, not a home where Hanukkah was celebrated, but I was always aware uh, peripherally of Hanukkah. Let me ask you just a, a few quick questions before we get into like the real profound stuff. Am I pronouncing Hanukkah correctly? H- how is Hanukkah pronounced?
1: So, well, in, in the Hebrew language, it's Hanukkah with the CH, C H A N U K A H. The reality is that a lot of folks struggle with the H pronunciation, and so Hanukkah and Hanukkah have become pretty interchangeable in today's day and age. They are both trending on Twitter today, and uh, people can really go with whatever pronunciation and spelling they prefer.
2: And th- that's my next question the spelling. H- how about the spelling? Is there a
1: correct So here's the funny thing. Hanukkah or Hanukkah is a Hebrew word, which, as far as I'm concerned, everyone is welcome to spell in English how they like. Uh, Traditionally, it is, you know, C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H or H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H. I don't know why when it starts with an H, it's traditional to put two Ks at the end, but that's how it pretty much goes. I've seen it with one K. I've seen it with two Ns. Last year, someone was trying it out with Qs. God bless them. Um, So, you know, there's no official English spelling as it is a Hebrew word, but those are the two primary English spellings.
2: Very good. Uh, And now uh, let's talk about more about the the origins. What is Hanukkah about, and why does it last eight days?
1: So about two millennia ago, 2,200 years ago or so, our ancestors were living in the land of Israel, and they came under persecution from the Hellenic Syrian Greek forces, who, uh, beyond waging physical battles against them, really sought to spiritually dominate them. They made practicing Jewish observances very, very difficult, almost impossible, and they went about desecrating the Holy Temple, not destroying it, but desecrating it and vilifying it and doing things in the Holy Temple which were really disrespectful and offensive towards the Jewish faith. After this small group of merry men called the Maccabees defeated their oppressors, they wanted to go into the Holy Temple and rededicate it and rectify some of the damage that had been done by their oppressors. And one of the things they wanted to do as a result of that was to light the menorah, the seven-branched candelabra which existed in the Holy Temple, which was kindled daily. And in their rededication of the Holy Temple, sadly, they only found one small solitary cruise of oil which had sufficient oil to just burn for one day. And they were aware that the process to go out there and procure new oil in a manner that would be appropriate for the Holy Temple was a process of about a week. And they only had enough just for one day. They'd be short by about six or seven days. And so with hope in their hearts and faith on their minds, they lit that one small flask of oil. And miraculously, instead of burning for one day, it burned for eight days. And so that's the eight-day holiday now. To commemorate that eight-day miracle, we light the menorah each night, adding an additional light every night to commemorate that eight-day miracle that happened to our ancestors so long ago.
2: Fascinating. Now the the first the first night of Hanukkah it changes; it's a different date each year. How is the how is Hanukkah determined in terms of where it will fall in the calendar?
1: So, like every Jewish holiday, Hanukkah is determined by what you know what we call a lunar and solar calendar. So. By and large, our calendar is a lunar calendar. We do sanctify our month based on the moon, and Hanukkah begins on the 25th day of this particular Jewish month. We do have a solar component, unlike our Muslim cousins who just have a strictly lunar calendar. When our calendar starts getting off-season, we throw in a leap year to keep Hanukkah in the winter and Passover in the spring and the high holidays in the fall and so on. And so usually it is this time of year, you know, late, late November to late December. Last year coincided with the winter holidays. This year it's a little bit earlier in December, but it's usually this month of the year.
2: How are celebrants of Hanukkah advised to view the Christmas holiday, especially here in America? Christmas has become much more than, you know, a a Christian holiday, but more a a cultural celebration. Is it okay to celebrate both Hanukkah and Christmas?
1: So the reality is that Christmas at its core is a religious holiday. It's a religious observance, Uh, though, as you very correctly mentioned, nowadays it has kind kind of drifted away from that. You know, I don't celebrate Christmas. I know many members of my faith don't celebrate Christmas. Some do. Some come from households where there are, Multiple faiths at play, but you know, for us, we believe that we have uh, our own beautiful holidays throughout this time of year, and you know, we have we we have what we can contribute to the world tapestry of religions on our own, and so you know, it is. It, I think. Especially when Hanukkah comes out in December, closer towards the end of December, I think the festive spirit in the air and the spirit of giving and loving and caring for one another is something which does unite all of us. We do it our way, they do it their way. But we can all partake of joy and happiness together.
2: That makes good sense. What are the conversations like with youngsters who are heading off to school, where, you know, especially in a place like Utah, Christmas is really the the holiday that dominates. How are how are youngsters advised to, to go about to navigate those waters?
1: Yeah, it's actually interesting. Youngsters, I think, in particular are the ones who take the most pride in having their own winter holiday. I think, you know, when youngsters go to a school where they're predominantly outnumbered uh, in, their, in their faith and they're able to share with their classmates that, you know, you guys celebrate the winter holiday your way. And in our faith, we have our own winter holiday and it's celebrated in this very unique and exciting way. I think it gives youngsters a tremendous amount of Jewish pride. And, and indeed, there are a number of children in our community who are attending local public schools and we have the opportunity to go in there every year around this time of year and share with their classmates the beauty of Hanukkah, and it's not meant to be, you know, our holiday is better than yours or vice versa. It's again, really meant to drive home and re enhance that idea of, you know, we each have our own way to contribute to making the world a more godly place, ours and ours and yours and yours. And, uh, and, and that's what we all go about doing. Outstanding.
2: Uh, on a day like today, what's the proper way to, to, to greet someone on, on Hanukkah? Happy
1: Hanukkah. That's it. Simple as that. Pretty
2: straightforward. What's on tap for this evening?
1: So this evening, we will be lighting a 12-foot menorah in the northeastern corner of the state capitol complex in the upper A lot. This is an event which had been taking place in past years in the Rotunda. Obviously, not an option for this year. Governor Herbert will be coming out to light the menorah for his 11th year in office. He's been a part of the celebration every single year that he served our state, and we're honored to have him one last time. That's at 530 up at the capitol. Uh, We're lighting our downtown menorah at Abravanahal Plaza at 7 o'clock, which is lit every single night. In the same spot, usually at 7, the schedule does get a little bit different on the weekends. All the information is on our website. And, yeah, we try to share it far and wide with as many people as possible, Jewish, non-Jewish alike. There's a special significance in spreading that universal message of warmth around Hanukkah.
2: What's that website, Rabbi, before I let you go?
1: JewishUtah.com. All the info is there.
2: Outstanding. Rabbi of Remy Zippel, thank you so much for your time. and Thank you, Lee. Happy Hanukkah.
1: Happy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
2: Yep. Uh, Quick break. When we return, we're going to have a a conversation with a good friend of mine, Boyd Matheson. You know him as the host of Inside Sources as well as the opinion editor of the Deseret News. We're going to have a look at Warp Speed, Operation Warp Speed, that which has brought the vaccine here to the United States. Can every element of the process be described as Warp Speed? We'll get into that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. A lot of ground to cover during this next conversation. I'm happy to uh, share the time with a good friend of mine, Boyd Matheson, joins me in studio. You of course know Boyd Matheson as host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio as well as the opinion editor of the Deseret News. Boyd uh, happy Hanukkah to you! Thank you. It's it's a uh, it's a good day. Yeah. Uh, you, you and I, I know both on our respective programs, had a chance to speak with Rabbi Zippel here today. Yeah. And w- what a dynamo! Uh, what a uh, a cool guy! What a great person to represent the faith and be able to, uh, you know, explain the very profound beliefs that inform, uh, you know, the the rituals and worship. Uh, but yeah. also someone who can, you know, speak about the events of the day yeah. and respond to the realities in which we find
0: ourselves living these days. Uh, I, I admire the rabbi. By a great deal, he's he's awesome. As, as we were talking just before we came on air, uh, there, there's a whole lot of holy envy going on. I know <laughs> uh, today as as we look at Hanukkah and we look at the uh, the lights. The, the thing that strikes me the most about Hanukkah, uh, again as someone from outside of that faith tradition, one uh, the fact that they celebrate they don't celebrate the battle. I mean, the battle was a miracle sure. that that the Maccabees were able to to win. Uh, that's a big deal, and yet they're like, nah, that's not that's not the big deal. The big deal was the light. Right. Uh, and then it continued for eight days, and I love that. The other thing that the rabbi said that is just—I've been sharing it with everybody on on uh, texts and tweets. Uh, he said, "You know, when you when you do this ritual, it's not about a checklist." And and he really extended it to every faith tradition and all our traditions for that matter. Uh, that often we kind of go through the checkbox oh, things, yeah. and then we're back on our phones, and, and away we go. And he said that that part of the tradition of Hanukkah is that when the candle is lit, when it is burning. All other work is set aside. Everything is set aside, and he and he said this. He said, "Listen to what the candle is telling you." Mm. Love that. Uh, there's about four programs in there, <laughs> in that, and maybe a column coming up soon. Uh, but it may, but it makes you think different. Am I being present? Am I being still amidst all the other hustle and bustle of, of holiday seasons? Uh, are we stopping long enough uh, to really think about what matters most love great great stuff from great from the great Rabbi for this time
2: today. of year great for this year in particular yeah. and great for life in general Uh, Good, good stuff and good wisdom there. Uh, Listen, we we, as I mentioned, you and I have a lot of ground to cover here. We have about seven minutes to do so. Uh, The the plan was we're going to talk about warp speed, the operation warp speed, the title given to the, you know, the operation and the organizational effort to get a vaccine, you know, through all the requisite stops and ultimately into the arms of Americans. We'll get into that in just a moment, but something has developed in terms of the stimulus package. I've been covering this throughout the week. We have looked at the the two, three, four, whatever, (laughs) however you want to count it, (laughs) uh, (laughs) different versions of this deal. We saw the bipartisan, bicameral proposal put forth by Romney and company uh, earlier. We went through the Mnuchin version, which was released just yesterday. And uh, Mitch McConnell, though, has...
0: uh, (laughs) Pretty much uh, the final word on this right now, and it's not so good. What have you learned? That's right. Uh, Mitch McConnell has told his uh, members in the United States Senate that there is no path to a compromise uh, on this bill. Uh, no path to a compromise on this bill. And that uh, that is saying a lot, uh, and it goes back to something. You've been covering this in, in your coverage and your conversations with your listeners all weekly, and that is that it's so easy for people to have these meetings behind closed doors And then come out after and say, "Ah, we just couldn't get it done. We just couldn't quite get there. Instead of doing the right thing, which would be to put whatever bill it is, put all the bills, put them all on the floor of the House, all on the floor of the Senate, debate it in front of the American people, amend it in front of the American people. If you think you can make it better, prove it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, And then let's have a vote on it. Uh, But what we end up with is this behind closed doors, behind closed doors. And now we've got the triple behind closed doors. Now it's just Mitch McConnell to his members saying... Everybody, you can go home for the weekend because there is no path to compromise on this, which is just devastating and to me is just dereliction of duty. In the United States Senate.
2: And what that means, the, the debate throughout this week was, you know, the, the most recent debate until this development from McConnell was, uh, do you give $300 in federally subsidized unemployment insurance money weekly? Or instead of that, do you cut a $600 check to all qualifying Americans? Uh, how about we re-up some of that PPP money, uh, maybe some uh, immunity from uh, litigation in some areas? All of the elements, regardless yeah. of where you stood, None of that is on the table now. That's right. We are looking at a, a circumstance now where, and, and I hate to phrase it this way because I am a bootstraps type guy where you know our first responsibility is to ourselves and our own well-being does fall on our own shoulders. Uh, but the situation we are walking into now as this year comes to an end, as this administration comes to an end and a new Congress gets set yeah. to be uh, called to order just next year is – that uh, you know Americans are left now and American businesses, small businesses yeah, in particular, especially are, are left to, to fend for
0: themselves. Yeah, that's right. and, and again it's, it is Congress uh, abdicating their job, uh, what they should be doing on behalf of the American people. And, and to your point, it, it's not about uh, government doing everything. It's about gover- government doing the minimum amount that will enable everyone to move forward and that's, that is the role of government. Uh, to live the to lift that artificial weight off of all shoulders uh, and especially in a time like this our entrepreneurs our business folks uh, they they need help they need encouragement they need a path forward somehow moving into the new year uh, and here Mitch McConnell's just saying for political purposes because he would rather have he would rather have the point <laughs> than solve the problem because I guarantee you what's going to happen in January watch this in January he is going to use that negotiation as leverage in the nomination hearings uh, of all of these folks that President elect Joe Biden is going to put forward he's going to use that as leverage of hey we can get this thing done but uh, you know you need to take these two people off the list or i'm willing to pass these people through the senate give them a confirmation vote but you got to give me this this and this in the relief package so this is this is political posturing uh, rolling into the new year in the new administration and the the, the casualties
2: are those who are right now experiencing great need. Yeah. I, you know, not to get too emotional about this, but uh, I've spent a half an hour of today's program talking with the Quarters for Christmas program, yeah. the coordinator of that program here in this building. And uh, in front of me here, I have a stack of letters from young children, mm. you know, who th- their hands are cold, yeah. right? They don't have shoes and coats. Yeah. There, there's real need. Some of those children this year who are, are in trouble find themselves in that circumstance because mom and dad might own a small business and because so many of the employees are having to co- quarantine or isolate, they had to close their doors. When a small business has its door, doors closed, as you know, as everyone listening knows, especially with those narrow, narrow margins that are so common amongst small businesses, some of the needs in the home of the owner don't go met Some yeah. of the needs in the homes of those employees don't go met.: That's right. And those unanswered needs
0: oftentimes translate into real physical discomfort. Yeah, no question. And, and you think about it, so, many of, uh, so so many of those small business owners, those entrepreneurs I mean, they're the great employers. they employ everyone. and I guarantee you, there are so many of those entrepreneurs and small business owners who today who today gave checks to their employees and took their check. And stuck it in a drawer yeah. because that's what entrepreneurs and business owners do in this country. And uh, because Congress is unwilling to act on just small and insignificant things, uh, they'd rather score the political point than solve the problem for the American people. we got to do better. Boyd,
2: listen, it's always a treat to, to speak with you. I, I point out in in final summary that those small business owners, while many of them are making sacrifices, they also vote. And there will come a day where those votes speak loudly and more loud than anything else. Uh, Quick break. Boyd, again, thank you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're setting our sights towards the heavens and talking about outer space ahead on Live Mike. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison.
0: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce.